Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. This is episode number 93. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Episode 93 with your good friend, Rachel. Good friend now. But earlier. No, Rachel and I. (laughs) Rachel Jonah is back for her second episode of the podcast. And um, for those of you who might not have heard her first episode, Rachel is from the blog, The Minimalist Mum. Minimalist Mom. Mom with an O. And uh, Rachel is in Vancouver with her family. She's got three boys. Last episode, we spoke a lot about what it was like to live like a simple life in a big, busy, expensive city. And, um, you know, it was it was a conversation that actually really related and resonated with a lot of people, even people who don't live in the city or don't have kids or their kids are older, uh, because we spoke about failure and, um, you know, comparison and all those kinds of things as well. It was a really, really good conversation. So um, I wanted to get Rachel back on the show and have wanted to for a while, partly because she's Canadian. It's just a Canadian fix <laughs> that I needed. Yes. <laughs> yes. And partly uh, because she has a new book out, which is great. It's a book. It's called The Minimalist Mum. Mom. <laughs> How to Simply Parent Your Baby. And in it, she talks about the stuff that she was bought, she bought or was given when they had their first baby five or six years ago and how most of it was just a complete waste and how we kind of are told to buy into the, uh, you know, the must-haves of being a new parent. And if you don't have all of these things plus all of these things plus all of these things, then you're not doing parenting well. So she saw that happening and, and experienced that herself uh, and decided that there was a need for a book about how to I guess, adopt the idea of, of simplicity and minimalism from the get-go with your kids. And I know that I could have done with that book when our first child was born. <clears throat> yeah, that's so true. Uh, uh, no, you know what? It's really, it's really interesting, though, because I think we are – like that's one of the first times, for me anyway, where you're kind of told – you need to buy all of these things. The only other time no, that I'd experienced when got, it, when we got married, married, that's exactly what I was just about to say. You go through these like, magazines and blog posts and forums and all this stuff that tells you that you you need to do all of this. You need to have all of this. You need to have picked out your color scheme and all that stuff uh, you know, ahead of time. And anything less is not good enough. Which is not true. Like yeah. as adults, we know that none of that is actually applicable. But I think there are two areas, two uh, whole uh, industries, I think, that are built on you need to do X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C in order to do these things properly. It is. That's so true. And I just think it's, it's harmful. Yeah, it can be really damaging because – and Rachel and I talk about this a bit actually in the episode. It takes your – attention away from the thing that's actually really important like your marriage for example rather than the wedding day we focus so much time and attention and money on the day of getting married that so often people get married and they think oh i hadn't really given a huge amount of thought to this because i've been planning this huge event yeah this is what it's all about yeah and like rationally when you say that out loud you think well yeah of course but for so many of us, it's all about the, the lead up and the preparation rather than the thing that you're actually preparing for. So it was really interesting to talk to her about that. It's so true. Particularly 
with our first, yeah, we were so under such pressure. But by the time the second came round, <laughs> it halved. And I reckon if we had a third, which we're not going to, but if, yeah, you know, you just wouldn't care. <laughs> like, well, what you, other you, people thought exactly? You wouldn't care about you the stuff. You wouldn't care about the stuff. Yeah. You just. And I think part of it is just learning, much like any part of life. Like it's just learning what works and learning what doesn't, learning what you enjoy and learning what you don't enjoy. But the other part of it is just stopping and actually questioning. Did like, Just because we're told we need this type of pram or this exercise mat or this toy doesn't mean that we actually need it. And it's just learning to question that. And I think that particularly is applicable to any anyone at any stage in life it's just that stopping and asking and being intentional about what we choose to do rather than just going with the the status quo so it was it's a really good conversation I, I love talking to Rachel she's just warm and open and generous with her with her you know information and her experiences mm-hmm. if you do want to find out more about her book and also to read her blog you can just head to the minimalist really struggling with that word today minimalist mom.com and you can find links from there to uh, the book which you can get on kindle you can buy it i think you can buy it in bookstores in the states uh, but she also has um, information about that on her blog so today's episode is sponsored by one of our new partners attitude we spoke about attitude last week it's attitude attitude with an e and they make Really insanely super soft bed linen, like thread count. I don't know. I don't think they do thread count. Brazilian. Yeah, but it's like you feel the nicest it's sheets that you've ever felt. Infinity thread count. <laughs> like the nicest sheets I've ever felt. These genuinely feel much softer. Yeah, and I don't think it's thread. No, I, no, it's I don't know butterfly. Oh, stop. Kisses and rainbow milk. They are genuinely the softest sheets that I've ever felt, actually. But they are, more importantly, eco-friendly and they are made ethically. They are hypoallergenic. They're made sustainably and they're made from organic bamboo, which is far more sustainable crop than uh, cotton. And uh, they're created in this closed-loop system, which means that all the water that's used in the manufacture of the sheets is recycled and used up to... 200 times i think which makes it a lot more sustainable a lot more earth friendly than a lot of cotton textiles so as i mentioned last week it takes a lot for us to work with brands but when they are aligned as closely to our personal values as attitude um, you know we're more than happy to to work with them because if you do need to buy sheets, then you may as well buy ones that are good for the planet. Yeah, you did a lot of research on this too. I did. I always do. Yeah. yeah. So you've looked pretty closely at this company and, yeah, their sheets are really soft. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like. Butterfly, silk and rainbow mist or something. Uh, so for the month of August, Attitude are sponsoring the show and they have a Special deal for listeners of the Slow Home Podcast. You get 10% off your first order of Etitude sheets and bed linen. If you head to etitude.com.au slash slow home and use the discount code sleep healthy and that will get you 10% off your uh, first order. Awesomeness. So before we jump into today's episode, 
couple of quick things. Go to theminimalistmom.com. Check out Rachel's blog and her book. And also let us know how you're finding the app. Thank you for everyone who's been giving me feedback. You're enjoying it, which is excellent. Uh, And if you don't yet have it on your iOS or Android device, just head to jackrabbit.fm. There's some links there for you. You know what I'm finding hard? What? To get out of the habit of not going... Not going to the podcast app on my phone, yep. but the maybe if I if I reposition the Jackrabbit FM right next to the podcast yep. app, you could do that. That might help. You me. know, the the biggest benefit to me of the app though is that you can download and listen offline whenever. You can bookmark particular episodes if they're favourites, and you can also access all the Jackrabbit shows in the one place without having to flick through like different feeds and categories and I was stuff. Say, but the, so that to me is the benefit of it. The iTunes one, you can listen to it down. You can you can download and listen to it offline. Yes. but you The bookmarking you can't do no. in the other. Two out of three. Ain't geez, bad. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yep. Is that a meatloaf song? Two out of yep. three ain't bad? That's it. Took the words right out of my mouth. Must have been when you when you were kissing me. Must have been when you were kissing me. Elvis. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs>you doing Brooke? I am very very well thank you it's so um so nice to talk to you again it was I I can't believe it's been almost a year since last we chatted um like that was way back in the day I think it was episode 30 of the podcast maybe so yeah yeah Yeah, I was I was still on the re-entry shock (laughs) I think of like moving back to Canada and getting myself sorted in, in the homeland so yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, that was such the, a such a big move for you guys. Um, I wanted to actually ask and check in and see how things have transitioned after your move from um, the Isle of Man, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, back to Vancouver and how like how you're settling in because I th- I'd imagine it would take quite a while to find your feet again, even though you were coming home. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, we we left with one small kid and then we came back with three. <laughs> and uh, we were coming back to our home. We'd rented it out while we were away. So that that was good. Like, you know, we knew the neighborhood, but we were introducing the kids to it too. And um, it's definitely taken us a little while to, to get into our, our groove here. Um, but we're we're totally, totally loving it. I mean, it's summer here, so it's literally like the best time of year to be here. Everyone who thinks about moving away from Vancouver does so in the winter. And then in the summer, they're like, I can't leave. I can't leave at all. Um, but yeah, it's good. I think, I can't remember if I, I, our stuff had come over when I last talked to you, but we basically like had to, we lost most of what we sent back with us. We sent like some boxes back from the Isle of Man and they got super delayed and sat in what was obviously like some damp storage and um, molded. No way. Yeah. So 
it was definitely one of those like lessons of like, okay, well, I guess I don't like that that much. And we've seemed to get by. I mean, it was, it was like some winter stuff, like, um, you know, like a winter blanket and stuff. And, but, um, yeah, I definitely didn't recommend those movers to my other expatty friends in the Isle of Man after, after that. I was like, well, they were a good price, but (laughs) most of our stuff was done. Benzo. I, that that's really interesting actually did you find that the stuff that was destroyed or lost you um like you replaced or was it one of those situations where like when you go camping for example yeah. and you you think you know we don't need all this stuff you yeah. we can cook on a two burner gas stove and we only need one light and yeah. <laughs> that kind of um, simplicity you know what actually some of it was like I was like, no, no, we're replacing this. It was, um, my husband had bought me this really gorgeous, like wool blanket to kind of cozy into in the winter. And, um, I wasn't really able to get the mold out. And like my eyes were like inflamed every time I went near it, uh, which was super unfortunate. Um, but it's funny cause I think when, when it's seasonal stuff, you're kind of like, Okay, I guess that's gone, and you don't really think about it until it kind of rolls around until again. It's cold again. Yeah, and <laughs> you're like, "Oh, we need those jackets." So, um, so it wasn't too bad. The kids, um, the kids only had a few kind of stuffed animals, um, but they were had to be gone because right. they were like a molded bunny and stuff. Um, but my kids are, I, I guess, apparently a little bit odd and are not super attached to stuffed animals. They're Actually, someone was out talking to me about this. And they're like, what do they go to bed with? I'm like, books. <laughs> they get a stack of books to sleep on and sleep with. So, um, so yeah, not, not too bad, but a little bit disappointing when you're like, man, I like packed all that stuff up and like Absolutely. paid to move it. Had you known it was going to be destroyed, you could have just left it behind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then some, someone else yeah. could have used it. Yeah. Oh, that is like that is frustrating, and I imagine you you guys had your simple life fairly sorted before then too. So it's not like there would have been a lot of excess for you. Yeah, no. Lose. I mean, yeah. we got we got rid of we we had actually furnished a house there um, right. a year before we left because we've been living in furnished homes. So we kind of like bought stuff a year later, did the same thing on like the secondhand sites and and sold all of it, and then this was this was like what we were bringing home. So. Um, yeah. So, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I guess there's it's nothing, just nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And that, that is the other thing, isn't it? It's one of those experiences where you, you have to say, oh, it is just stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is, I think an interesting kind of thing for people who identify as either minimalist or simple living to, to do, because that's what we've been talking about for years. Yeah. So. Uh, I actually, speaking of your home, I spent some time on your blog recently and um, had a look at your home tour, which was really interesting to me. Um, I know I always like to kind of get a peek into how other people do simplicity, particularly when they've got kids. Uh, and you, your home was just so lovely, so warm, and it had a real family feel. And um, yeah. yeah, no, I think you've done a, an awesome job because it is, it's not a big place, is it? You've got, it's a two bedroom apartment. Yeah, it's a two bedroom and um, they call it den, but technically it's called an enclosed balcony. Okay. So it's, it's not supposed to be used as a bedroom, <laughs> um, but we are using it. Everyone uses it as a bedroom. It's like a tiny little room and 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's funny, like, when we moved away, I really had in my mind all the things I thought were wrong with this place that I didn't like. It's got this really pokey old kitchen. And, um, but living overseas and living in like a bunch of different places um, kind of made me appreciate it uh, more. And I've been really, I'm just so thankful that like we have a home here because we're in, we're in a housing crisis in Vancouver mm-hmm. and um, it feels, you know, I get so many comments, Oh, it doesn't it feel tight with the three, three kids in there, but it really doesn't at all. And I, I think a huge part of that is having less stuff and yeah. particularly less furniture. Like, you know, most of our friends live, live in condos down here. So I definitely get to kind of see what, how other people are, are managing it. And even just having like an extra bookshelf or an extra storage unit in these fairly, fairly tight rooms really does hurt mm. the floor, how the, how the room feels, how your kids can make use of the space and move around in it and stuff. So, you know, I, I really like, I, so far, I really enjoy still living in a you know two bedroom and den condo with with uh, three young kids. With the three boys, yeah, and you, I mean, you've done a really good job of making that space work for you. But I'm I'm the same as you with with additional furniture. You know, um, we we have just replaced some really manky old um, lounges that we've had for a long, long time, and uh, we just replace them with the same number of lounges. But you know, yeah. going furniture shopping and things like, like the you can see the temptation for people to think, well, if I just buy this storage unit, then at least yeah. all my stuff will look nicely put away, you know. But having a, like an additional piece of furniture to me is um, like it, it's a real heavy weight in a room. So, I, yeah, uh, yeah I'm, no, I'm with you. And I really love the way you guys have, have put together a family home. Um, yeah, no, you've yeah done really beautifully well. <laughs> That's what it looks like when it's cleaned oh, up. Of course, yes. But, uh, no, 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 and I, I – yeah. That I, I actually in my posts on that I was like, this is what it looks like when it's cleaned up because I can tell you multiple times a day everything is pulled out and like our youngest likes to just my my oldest is an artiste and he's constantly drawing photo pictures and all this stuff so they kind of get stacked in one area and the toddler just pulls them off and kind of does confetti with them <laughs> multiple times a day. But that's an interesting point that you raise because recently we just we were part of a a TV show um, that ben, oh, ben and I spoke about it in a, a previous episode recently. Uh, mm-hmm. But we had a, a film crew walk through our house and film our place. And um, it's, you know, I really wanted to like to yell at people when I, they were watching it, you know, on TV. This is like, it's clean. It's cleaned up. It's yeah. not, you know, you don't walk <laughs> into it and it's like this usually. There's school bags and there's homework and there's stuff everywhere yeah. and the dog's toy and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's really interesting because I think, um, of course you want to put, put things on your best foot forward, I suppose. But, yeah. Uh, you know, it's also, you don't want it to be this unrealistic kind of, you know, picture. I think, I think what the real picture should be is like your house is a huge mess and then let's take some video as you tidy it up. Cause yes. for me, it's all about how quickly can it like look, you know, look happy and presentable again. Yes. I am someone like it does bother me when, you know, if the kids haven't cleaned everything up before they go to bed, then I'm definitely, I'm picking things up because I feel much calmer and I can really relax and enjoy the space when there isn't, you know, people's artwork strewn about kids, you know, Lego underfoot. So, 
Yeah, and that's actually one of my one of the biggest benefits for me uh, with particularly with kids and being you know living more simply is that it just doesn't take much time to clean up. I mean, I don't love yeah. cleaning up; it's not my favorite thing to do. But when we yeah. have to do it, it just happens quite quickly. Um, yeah. And I think I used to feel a lot of pressure. And this is, gosh, this is probably even before I had kids that things needed to be presentable before we had people around you know the idea of a drop-in guest terrified me because what if the house is a mess you know whereas now it's first of all I just I've let go of those silly ideas more but uh the other side of it is that it's just so much easier to you know pick everything up within five or ten minutes and things to be back to normal which is nice and one of the other things that I really appreciated about those posts on your home was the way that you guys had thought through what your home will look like, not only when your boys are the ages that they are now, but also when they're older. And that's whether or not you're, you're still there, but you guys had put a lot of thought into it rather than thinking, well, we'll just need, we'll need to move into a big house in the suburbs or, you know, um, yeah. you know, find a bigger apartment. You put a lot of thought into how the space will work once the needs of your family change. And uh, I think that's something that we don't do enough. We just automatically yeah. think we need more space. We need to change yeah. uh, rather than think about how we can work with the space that we have. So is that something that you guys did really intentionally? Yeah. I mean, we talk about it a lot because um, we don't really, we don't want to have to upsize. Mm. Uh, it would be a really significant financial impact to us to um, buy a bigger place or rent a bigger place here. Um, and I just think there's a lot more value to our family if um, we can kind of like pay off our mortgage faster or work a bit less and stay here. So we're really, we are really lucky that there are kind of three bedrooms or three bedroom spots for us. And we've got three kids and they're, they're all boys. So we do talk constantly about like a shift and, and right now, our the space is is working just fine. The baby sleeps in in kind of a office enclosed balcony, and then the other two are on a um, IKEA child's bed bunk bed that's mm-hmm. been hacked. And it, I feel like our oldest is getting a bit bigger, and we might have to move to like a traditional bunk bed, and we'll move the kids, likely all three of them, into our our master bedroom for a time. Right. And then I, I really think like I grew up with, in a family with some, there were six kids. And so I didn't have my own bedroom until I was in second year university. That was the first time. <laughs> and I, I feel like I'm a normal person and it was definitely good for me to um, share a bedroom. I think it teaches you a lot mm. about getting along with people and respecting other people's space and asking them to respect yours. But I, I think I would like my boys as teenagers to get a year or two of having their own bedroom. Right. Um, so luckily, like, you know, there, there's quite a bit of quite a bit that we can do. We can keep the younger two together and give our oldest the office here. And hopefully, um, I think one of our, one of the things that our plan hinges on is that they will like leave the nest and be gone. <laughs> I'm hoping we don't have any lingerers like that. They, <laughs> 18 okay here you go you know um if not they're gonna be like oh sorry you're gonna have to you know sleep in a triple bunk with your brothers um even though you're 21 yeah yeah. um so but yeah I mean we we were always thinking of that we on the one hand 
we're, we are really into simplifying and we like minimalism and the idea of living in a smaller place and, you know, having less impact um, on the environment. But the other thing is just because we're in a housing, a city with like a, a major affordability crisis, um, we just don't really have options. You know, a, yeah. a, a single family home kind of within like a suburb, maybe a bridge away, um, would be running like one and a half million dollars oh right goodness. now. So it's, um, it's, it's pretty crazy here. Yeah. So we really, we need to make this place, this place work. Which I think is the other, the other side of it. You know, you, you can see how fortunate you are that you, you kept the place while you had moved away as well. And yeah. then you were able to come back and you just make it work. I think that, that yeah. attitude though, as well as one that, um, that can serve people really well. You think, well, this is what we've got. We're really grateful. Let's make it work. Uh, because the benefits from what I see of Vancouver are huge. Like you get to live in yeah. one of the most livable, although not affordable cities. <laughs> not affordable. It is. I mean, it's, it's so great. And when we lived overseas, we kept running into people who'd been here on vacation and were like, oh my gosh, how could you leave? I love it there. Or, you know. And it's wonderful. Like we, we're so lucky. We live in a city, but we're so close to the mountains. We're you know right on the water. Uh, there's so much good urban green space for us, and yeah. um, it's it just is so wonderful to be down here with kids. I feel like they're getting such an experience, um, both culturally and in so many other ways. Um, and and I, I do hope I, I do love it here. I hope we are here kind of eventually forever. We might have some some little detours before really getting back here to settle down for good. But so do you guys have like itchy feet? Do you plan on taking some more adventures before? Um Yeah, my husband's working on something that will he's taking him kind of overseas this year and um uh, there's a chance if it goes well, then we'll, the, you know, I'll move over with the kids oh, next summer. Exciting. So, um, yeah. And I feel like our kids are at, you know, the older two are becoming pretty good ages for traveling. They're like six and a half, three and a half. Um, and our, I'm fingers crossed that the toddler's on the way <laughs> to being a good traveler. <laughs> I feel like two and a half is such a benchmark for me in terms of long haul flights and, um, them being able to kind of sit and yes. manage themselves a little bit. Yes. I so hopefully, yeah, you know a lot about that. <laughs> you know a lot about that. So hopefully, if we do um, do it, he's the youngest is two and a half by then, and okay. and then we can you know you know knock off some other travel over there and have some more adventures. Is that one of the the big benefits to you guys of living a simpler life? Is the ability to travel and it's you know also financially, I guess, to be able to save up for for travel and experiences like that. Oh yeah, for, yeah. I mean for sure. In in the Isle of Man, I you know we definitely kind of we were renting and we paid I would say twenty five, maybe forty percent less than our kind of our friends over there just because we were really comfortable with living in a smaller place. Mm. Um, and whereas other people were, were renting single family homes and it totally freed up money for us to do quick trips. And, um, you know, and it was also easy. Like if you don't have to care for a lawn in the summer or have a lot to like shut down, 
then, you know, if you can get a points ticket to London for all of you guys uh, for the weekend and just go, it's, it's so easy. Yeah. Um, I have to know. say, you, like, I've been thinking a lot about our previous conversation and uh, Ben and I, we've got itchy feet. Uh, I don't think oh, it's yeah. a surprise to anyone yeah. who knows <laughs> <laughs> at all because I never shut up about it. But, uh, you know, I, the the idea of living – because originally we lived in an apartment in a, in a suburb of Sydney before we had the kids and we moved out to the suburbs in the mountains, which is beautiful and I really love it. And, um, you know, I love the space that we've got, but the appeal of – apartment living has really come back to me recently oh. for that those reasons that you talk about you know the maintenance side of it not having a yard to care for and it's a it's a the, the sort of opposite sides of the same coin because I absolutely love gardening and all that kind of stuff yeah. but I can really see the benefit of it and uh you know if we go if we end up heading off for an adventure for a couple of years I would love to try sort of living in an inner city area in an apartment so that we could experience what it's like to, to not have those other other factors yeah. at play so yeah it's really uh you've got me you've got me thinking specifically well, about vancouver but <laughs> it's, it's funny because i am like a real i'm a fan of urban living and stuff but i also see the 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 beauty of having a home and a garden i mean we have cousins out in the suburbs and they have a pool mm-hmm. and this like great backyard and we can spend a whole evening there and the kids are just running back and forth and, and it's, it's really lovely. Um, and I, I don't, you know, maybe someday we'll try that out for a couple of years. We're, we're definitely people who we like change and <laughs> I don't know if we're that good at it, but, um, we like change. I think that's I the think, main part, isn't it? If you like it, yeah, about being good at it. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll kind of muddle along, but I, I mean, I kind of see us probably switching gears every four years or or so. And you know, with my husband right now, it's like he's he's got a job. I could see it kind of lasting four years, and then it's like, okay, so what will we what will we do now? And maybe that is you know moving to Vancouver Island and living in a small town and and having a house. Do you think that 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 sort of enjoyment of change makes it easier to uh to like to embrace minimalism for example and declutter and let go of things yeah for sure I'm not I think I've never been super scared of of like a big okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try something bold or something new and and I don't I've never had the the real fear of like but if I give it away what if I need it yeah um, because I, I've been taught time and time again that, that you'll figure it out. Someone will loan it to you. And, um, there are very few things that you, you know, can part with that are, are truly irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. And I also, I, I love the idea of, of your things kind of going out into the world and being used while you're, you don't need them while you're in a time of life where perhaps, you know, you have young kids, so you're not skiing or, you know, it's just not feasible for you to do a certain hobby and, and you sell it on Craigslist or you loan it to a friend who's taken that up. And then at some point down the road, maybe you'll get back into it. Actually, my, my twin sister gave me her sport sunglasses. I don't have any anymore. They were broken years ago, but she wasn't running outdoors and I was. And so she's like, yeah, take them, use them while you need them. I don't need them right now. And 
It's just kind of like, to me, the prime example of the benefit of not being so, so tied into your stuff. Um, because if you're not using it, you know, it's, it's really just, just sitting there kind of wasting space. Yeah, exactly. It's a genuine waste in terms of all the resources and the money and the space that it takes up. I think that's a really helpful strategy though, for people who, um, who might be struggling to let go of things, but you know, first of all, it doesn't necessarily need to be forever. You know, if you're in a period of life where like you say, you can't ski because you've got young kids, then loan them to a friend, you know, and get them back when you want. But also, um, you know, it's, it's a more kind of generous way of viewing it. You know, if I'm not using it, then someone else probably could be using it. So, um, yeah, no, I think that's a really nice strategy to, to, to help, I think maybe soften, soften the blow when you do struggle with things. Um, I'd like to talk about your book, which you released at the beginning of August. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, It's so exciting and such, it's a message that I think is so necessary to, to kind of share and for people to hear. Um, First of all, I just want to tell us a bit about the book and then we can talk about why, um, why I think it's, it's really valuable. Yeah. Um, the book is called the minimalist mom, how to simply parent your baby. And, um, the kind of genesis of this book, I wrote a self-published book like five years ago, um, kind of on a similar theme, but it was shorter and, and like a kind of personal manifesto. And the, this is really kind of my roots of getting into simplifying and, uh, kind of the, the joy of minimalism was becoming a parent and just feeling really overwhelmed with all this stuff that I thought was going to help me um, parent and make my life easier. And, you know, most of it didn't. Most of it was kind of sitting there stressing me out because I hadn't taken the tags off or um, it was, you know, cluttering up our, our small space. So this book, you know, there's all these these parenting books out there that have all these lists by these like 62 different things and, you know, cross-referencing this and you got to buy this and you got to do this. And this is really a book about more for parents and how they can approach parenthood and and enjoying parenthood and getting what what they would like out of it and mm-hmm. what they need out of it. Um, so it's, it's kind of a different book than what most of them would read. And in fact, like on some levels, I advise some people should spend a whole bunch of money on a really fancy stroller because that's their lifestyle. They're going to use it extensively. And then people in other scenarios should just kind of go as bare bones as possible. Um, the advice that's out there is very prescriptive for one lifestyle that they think we're all living and we all live really different lives now some people live yeah some people live in you know in the suburbs and you know especially in the U.S. they're going to go back to work at three months and they get around by car and they're really not going to use a big fancy stroller that much um and so you know you find a lot of parents I talk to her like, I'm like, what's your biggest regret? Oh man, we bought like three or four strollers because we didn't, the first time around we were like, I'm in love with the stroller and had, it had no practical use in our life. And then we kind of went through a couple more before finding out, oh, you know, we just needed something really simple that was going to be easy to fold into the car. 
because that's, you know, and then other people, like I live in a neighborhood where your stroller kind of is your car because you grocery shop by it and, you know, you do everything by it. You take it on the bus. And so you need something that really suits, suits that lifestyle. And I talk a lot about that in this book and kind of go through lots of ways to incorporate minimalism into your life as a new parent. And I show some, some radical ideas, some kind of middle of the road ideas and some, you know, I'd say like minimalistish light ideas, um, for, for ways to enjoy being, you know, having a new baby at home and try and stress a bit less and enjoy that time. And it's very much a book I wish I had read kind of the first time around because I think I viewed having a new baby a lot of the ways, you know, many of us view getting married where we think it's about the wedding and I'm getting, yes. you know, I'm this huge checklist for this wedding. And it's all about this one day when really the I one day happens and then you're married yes. and that actually the marriage is is where the you know the work needs to come in and and the really important that you know the heart of it the wedding you know is much like you would say the the baby arriving home and you've got like I did everything I decorated the nursery yeah. I got everything they said I should buy parenting and check. <laughs> you know my freezer is stocked and blah 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 and you do all these things and then a couple of weeks later you're like none of that really helped me I, I yeah. wish I'd kind of invested more in asking people to come and like hold the baby while I had a shower or, you know, invested more in kind of thinking about how I would deal with visitors in the first couple of weeks. And do I really want, you know, the extended family hanging out, um, you know, 10 days after I've had a C-section and I'm like in like a, you know, a terrible state and super tired and, you know, don't want to see anyone, but, but um, and I think part of that is is experience, you know, like you've been yeah. through it and I'm like sort of listening to you speak about it, just nodding like a crazy person going, yes, yes, yes. I wish I had that book when uh, our first one was born. Um, but I think that's the value of it. Like that's the amazing thing. You're taking all of those lessons that you learn and you're you know, sharing them with people so yeah. that maybe they can, they can uh, spend the time. And I really liked the point you were making about the stroller. You know, you're not being prescriptive at all. It's more about going back to what we were talking about with your home, you know, really being intentional and figuring Mm -hmm. out what your lifestyle is and where you live and what you want it to be and what works for that. Because I think, you know, it could be really tempting to then sort of just write the minimalist's checklist for baby and Mm -hmm. try and apply that to everyone. And the same thing applies there it's just not going to work for everyone I mean there are some things that are like a necessity and um you know but but the vast majority of them will either work for people or not and I think that's sort of what's lacking it's that questioning that yeah do I really need this thing do I is this really going to help is my baby actually going to sit in that you know um rather than just kind of buy what the pregnancy and baby magazines tell us are this season's need to have sort of thing yeah. Yeah. So were you um, more like inclined to minimalism before you became a mum or did that come after? I, that definitely came after. Before I really, you know, I wouldn't say I was a shopper, but, you know, I enjoyed shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel like I prepared for our first baby by, by buying stuff. Right. I was like, what do I need? Do I need this sling? Do I need this? I was getting all these daily deal emails and 
um, we had a kind of a, a colicky, unsleeping first baby. So for sure, like the first 10 months, I just kept thinking, well, is there something we could buy? Will that lamb make the baby sleep? Is there something? What can I do? And, you know, it's a the baby gear industry is, you know, the, the billion dollar industry, right? Like they, there are some wonderful products out there, but they really prey on the parents who are bleary eyed and tired and Absolutely. are like anything for sleep or anything so that like my baby will, you know, sit in a bouncer. My first baby literally would not sit in a bouncer for like six months. He basically wanted to be held for six months. Yeah. So I was like, I just got the wrong bouncer. Maybe I need something else. Uh, something else will work. Um, so, you know, I, I went through that and I, I really understand how parents going into, you know, their first child can feel that stress of like, oh, it's, it's something I need to buy. And a lot of in this book is about stepping back and saying, what can I actually kind of like change? What does my lifestyle look like and what can I do and change in my lifestyle? What help can I ask for? What, you know, maybe can, routines can I set up ahead of time mm. that might, that will make this life transition easier for me? And whether that's making sure, you know, both spouses are, are both cross-trained on household duties. Um, you know, if you're the only one that changes the kitty litter and you have the baby and, you know, you're recovering and your partner is like, I don't really, not really like good with changing the kitty litter. Where's this? Where's that? Like, you know, simple stuff like that, that I think a lot of people before they have a baby kind of just go, oh, we'll, we'll just kind of continue on with our current, you know, household split and our household, you know, routines. And, um, and when you have, uh, you know, a little being that needs feeding every three hours and needs to be held a lot, that's, it quickly kind of, shows you that you you can't do you can't lead the same life anymore exactly and i think the that's what, what i love about that is the focus is on the living side of it you know how are we going to do the living and like what's life going to look and feel like going forward rather than like you said what thing can i buy that will make this part of life easier it's more giving thought to like the living part um, yeah. yeah, which I, re- I really appreciate because I think you're right. And I absolutely was the same. Uh, didn't give much thought to it, to be perfectly honest. And I, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, me too. <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's, um, and I think part of that was just like the arrogance of youth and not knowing and, you know, thinking that everything will be fine. But the other part is I just never thought about it. You know, when mm-hmm. I had someone say to me, oh, are you going to have a baby shower? And I just, I desperately didn't want to have a baby shower, you know, and, like but you'll get lots of stuff like, I don't want lots of stuff I, don't, I really don't want lots of stuff can I just have yeah. my mum and my sisters and a couple of friends around for a cup of tea and that's it you know yeah. and it was still overwhelming so I didn't I didn't have a baby shower I didn't get all those things and which I'm really grateful for uh but it still just knocked me flat on my backside yeah. and you know I still found that we were completely overwhelmed with with things um that were supposed to make life easier, but they just ended up weighing more, you know, just, yeah, you really felt the weight of them. And when we went through the first sort of stage of decluttering, uh, that was a lot, like the bulk of it was was all Mm -hmm. that baby stuff that we just never used, you know. It might have got to run once or twice and um, it felt so nice to to let go of. And people are like, oh, what if you have more kids? 
First yeah. of all, the reason I'm letting go of it because we never used it, you know. Yeah. And um, kids need a heck of a lot less than than I ever thought that they did. So it was, yeah, that's that's really nice. I think another big part of it though is this idea of comparison and comparing ourselves to what mm-hmm. we should be doing and what the others are doing and what you know our Instagram feed is showing us that new parents are doing. And uh, do you think that like the comparison game is a big part of why we we're constantly trying to to get the thing that works the best or the flashiest pram or uh oh, you know yeah. the the most effective rocker oh yeah i remember yeah. Uh, my first going to like mom and baby boot camp and a, a woman who is actually a really good friend of mine now this is like seven years ago you know her her baby was like sleeping 12 hours at night mm. and the bait from like day one almost <laughs> like <laughs> she was like she's like a, she was a super swaddler and I was like oh maybe I need a swaddle <laughs> like maybe that's why <laughs> but there is this constant you know sharing through every channel imaginable now you know Facebook Instagram just going to your you know new parents meet up and hearing from you know your mother-in-law about what you know what your partner was doing as a six week old. And it definitely creates this idea that, that if you're not having that same experience, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I had that feeling with my first, like I'm, I'm doing something terribly wrong here because I'm not having that same experience. My kid is not sleeping very well. And I'm, I'm like so tired. I didn't know people could actually be alive with this little sleep. Um, and it was so comforting once I had a second baby that I then had already kind of gone through that and had that kind of confidence of being like, you know, we're going to be fine and our experience is going to be our experience. And I I don't need to, to like compare myself to what other people are doing or what they have. Um, because, because, you know, we're, we're not, we're not living the same life here, even if we have you know, babies that were born on the same day, they're all different. I have different, you know, needs and wants myself. You know, some people, it will be of utmost importance to them to get, feel like their house looks presentable, yeah. even when they have a new baby. And I think that's really important to recognize if you are someone who's like, you know, it's really, really important to me. And maybe that's something you kind of communicate to your partner and communicate to your friends that if they come over, it would mean the world to them if you maybe did a little tidying. Yeah. And um, I think, but I think that's, that's sort of going back to what you were saying before, which is really kind of knowing yourself and understanding how you best work because like, you're absolutely right. For some people that would be a major stressor if they just couldn't have something, uh, you know, like the house kind of locked down and, and in the way that they like it. And I think the other side of it is questioning is that important to me really or am I thinking that it should be important to me which was me you know I think that was me in my first kind of few months as a a new mum I was stressing about things that I thought I should find important rather than actually thinking do I really care because the answer is probably no but it's yeah that that comparison and that what I should be doing rather than what I need to be doing or what I want to be doing um Yeah, that's a, it's such a such a good point though to kind of know yourself and know what's going to work for you uh, ahead of time. 
remember with our first, we had a, like a home visit and we did a terrible night and the place looked a disaster. And uh, <clears throat> I was seeing midwives, so the midwife did the home visit and it was like the first week. And I said to her, I was like, I'm sorry, our place looks terrible. And she's like, oh, don't worry. She's like, we don't worry about the families where the plate, the, you know, you've got dishes in the sink and the place looks terrible. She's like, we worry about the families where it, everything looks great. Because <laughs> like, then, then we know we've got a mom who's like probably doing a bit too much, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. A, stressed, that's she, a stressed mom yeah. who's really yeah, just they're like, burning She's the, the one we have to say, you need to like stay in your bed for a week. <laughs> like, are you healing? Oh, um, that's, that's a nice midwife. That's a really nice, kind yeah. thing to say. Like in all, like in all directions. Well, that's uh, that's amazing. I, I've uh, I, I've flicked through the book, and I, my my kids are a bit older. But first of all, I wish I had have read it seven years ago. Um, second of all, I'm going to be sharing it with everyone I know who's got young young kids uh, because I think it's so 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 valuable. Um, and I think the third thing though is that that so much of it ap- appeals and applies to people either who have older kids or who don't have children at all because it's really, I mean, the specifics of it are about babies but you go on to talk about the benefits of it and that's more time and more space and that feeling of freedom of not being weighed down, uh, you know, and less anxiety in terms of comparisons and, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and all that kind of thing and they're all benefits of just simplifying across the board, I think. And one other thing I think that, You've spoken about recently in a blog post, I think, uh, it's the idea of, you know, but if I don't have all these things, my kids will get bored. And I'm a big fan of boredom, you know, to a certain extent, but in kids and adults, you know, I think that space for boredom is where ideas happen and play and imagination and discovery and all that kind of thing. Um, Have you, have you seen that in your family, you know, with if you keep a, a lid on the amount of things that your kids have, do you see them engage with that boredom in a different sort of way? Oh, yeah. I mean, my, my kids were not screen-free, so they will ask, like, on repeat sometimes, can we watch a TV show? Can I look at the iPad? And I really find, like, I say no three times, and then I look around, and they're, like, they're doing something cool. You know, they're they're reading you know, faux reading a book or they're creating something or they've, you know, found a kind of a new way to piece different toys together to, to create something. And, and I really do, I feel like we're really in like a different age now of, of worrying about, about not having yourself entertained constantly about, you know, if you stand in line at the post office and you're actually just kind of daydreaming, (laughs) You're, you're in the minority, right? Like everyone's staring down at their phones and there's this fear of, of your, you know, of not being entertained or not yes. being so quickly amused. And it's, um, you know, I, I think there's a real danger there. And I, I see it with my kids. I'm, I'm really trying to give them that space to, to just go and, and let their mind wander or figure out something new um, without feeling like they have to be doing something structured or watching something or being in, you know, being entertained. Yeah. Being entertained, yeah. And, and passively being entertained, you know, like watching, watching a screen or watching something on the phone, um, yeah. you know, in those moments of quiet or while you're waiting at the doctors and yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I also kind of think that 
as parents, we model that behavior as well. You know, um, yes. Ben and I are doing a screen-free bedroom experiment at the moment, which was basically just us not using our phones at all in the bedroom because we didn't have any other tech in there. Uh, and it's just been really interesting to kind of sit back and, and watch our um, like our reactions. And Anthony Ongaro, who I had on the show a few months ago, talks about this idea of breaking the twitch, you know, mm-hmm. and you just feel the twitch for reaching for the, the phone or the screen or the, you know, the, the, the TV remote. And instead of engaging with it, you just recognize it and let it pass. But it's amazing to see how often you feel it, feel that twitch and, and how often you probably mindlessly have been engaging with that kind of stuff rather than mm-hmm. mindfully saying, you know, no, I'm not like I'm not going to engage with any screen. I'm going to stand in line at the post office and stare blankly at the at the window because it's yeah. nice to have that space. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I think the kids just pick up so much on that because as parents – I know I say it all the time. I I tell them to do things that I don't do. <laughs> like my advice is it's good and solid advice and I just should take it more myself. But, um, yeah, I think it, that sort of stuff is, is incredibly important to, to model to your kids. So Yeah, and it's it's harder than ever. My, my oldest is going to a day camp this week and he just comes home every day with stories about, oh, so-and-so had his iPad yes. there, so-and-so had a DS. Yes. and. And uh, I'm like, oh, that's great for them, you know. But but uh, I guess that might be one of the reasons why I'm like, maybe we should move to the sticks. Maybe we should, so we have a little bit more control. But you know, ultimately, like you said, you just kind of kind of model at home and 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 hope that you're helping them develop skills so they can kind of resist that on their own and are able to to fully engage. In, in doing something that's the other like you know so you talk about the twitch as a writer myself I find it I've I'm finding it harder now to really sit down and like do solid long chunks of work and I, I do think it's it's this technology kind of overload you know over the years where now you just have this kind of feeling of like oh I should go and check in on something I've yeah. got you know and it, it is harder to for me to sit down. I really do have to put up barriers of like, go write somewhere where there's no internet, you know, turn the Wi-Fi off on my computer. Um, you know, I'm really trying to just read more lately too and be able to kind of sit down and and read for, you know, over an hour is, is quite a luxury. Um, and I think that's kind of helping me too, like to kind of engage the brain and, resist the twitch in a different sort of yeah. way yeah like not as a frantic yeah. frenetic kind of flicking between tabs and between yeah. those kind of way yeah. yeah yeah no i i absolutely agree and i think it's just a skill that like our generation needs to develop because i remember a time before the internet yeah. <laughs> much to my kids disgust we've <laughs> been back in the olden days mum. um you know so i i think our generation we're really having to learn how to deal with that and i actually think that our kids are going to be better at it than we are because they've yeah. always had it there whereas for us it was yeah. this novelty that we dove into head first and uh you know i think i hope anyway that our kids generation is going to be a lot more mindful of it yeah well, Rachel, thank you so much for your time and for uh, for talking to us. 
Yeah, great to talk to you as always. I always love chatting with you. I was like on a high after our last chat for a good couple days. Oh, that's awesome. I know. I went back and, and was revisiting that too. It was such a good conversation. I think, um, yeah, it's it's always a, like a pleasure to, to catch up with you and find out what you're up to. So Thank congratulations you. again on the book. And, Thank um, you. Yeah. If, if people want to find out more about you, read your blog, grab a copy of your book, theminimalistmum.com mum with yeah. an o.com yeah. is the best place right yeah and the book is on um amazon kind of i think worldwide and it's in some uh barnes and nobles bookstores in the u.s right now i'm not sure if it will um make an appearance in canada i hope so so oh, i can see it yeah exactly <laughs> and maybe you can see it next time you're in canada I know. Oh, I know listening, sorry to kind of derail our goodbye, but listening to you talk about Vancouver in the summer, I'm like, oh man, I'd be there in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should do a swap. Yeah. Hey. Hey, hey. Maybe we should. Someday. Someday. Let's I'm writing it. that down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. Yeah. Thanks, Brooke. Take care. You too. listening guys and uh, just as we mentioned at the beginning of the show today's episode is brought to you by Etitude. Their super soft eco-friendly bed linen is absolutely worth checking out because it's eco-friendly, it's ethically made, it's sustainable uh, and they are giving you as a listener of the show 10% off your first order if you head to etitude.com.au slash slow home and use the discount code sleep healthy. That's attitude spelt with an E. <laughs> Jackrabbit FM for your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.